Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, academic, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I hold space for women and non-binary individuals to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for being here today and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Dr. Bryn Schroeder. Dr. Bryn Schroeder's work is driven by saying that knowledge is power. As a college professor and a mental health educator, she is passionate about bringing psychological science to people of all backgrounds, which is, you know, right, right up. That makes me happy. That's like close to my heart. Anybody who listens um, will know that like I just graduated with a master's in psychology. So I'm, I'm here, but I'm like the I'm like the social psychology, not the clinical psychology or counseling psychology. And and people, uh, just a tangent, people often don't realize that there's so many branches of psychology. And so I'll say, oh, I I went to school for psychology. They're like, oh, you're going to be a therapist. You'll be great at that. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> Um, so while working as a counselor, she discovered a passion for education and outreach in the mental health field. She has since co-founded a business called Empowered Pathways, LLC, which offers holistic training for mental health professionals and workshops on evidence-based self-care. Bryn's fascination with psychology has shaped her personal identity in addition to her professional life. After losing both her parents within two months, She has experienced profound growth and transformation despite the intensity of her grief. She also strives to implement concepts from psychological research to enhance her own life and relationships. In her free time, Bryn is a huge science fiction nerd. I love nerd. I'm a nerd too. (laughs) Um, And stays active through running, soccer, hiking, kayaking, and jujitsu. Wow. You stay busy. Yeah, um, that I'm sure we'll touch on, but my my coping mechanisms are a little bit lopsided and they're like 99% involving physical activity. I've sort of always always been that way um, because that's just what I enjoy doing anyhow. Those are healthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> you know, you could be doing other things that are a little less healthy. So Bryn, thank you, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. I've enjoyed listening to previous episodes. So oh, thanks. I always appreciate when um guests listen because then you know my style of interviewing. And I also say, like, what if you listen and you don't like me? <laughs> it's possible. Like, I'm not one of those people that is like I'm the best person in the world and you know uh, everybody's gonna love me so like what if you listen and you're like that is not my cup of tea and then you could be like no we're not gonna do this instead of like getting on and then it's super awkward and I've had some of those where it's just so awkward I'm like you didn't listen at all did you (laughs) so uh, (laughs) I did my homework so we should be okay Yay. Um, so I would just love wherever you want to kick it off with your personal experience, because you mentioned a little bit of it in your bio, um, but I think you applied. I can't remember. I can't remember who emails yeah. me, who applies, who it's just it's a hot mess up in here. Um, <laughs> 
But I think you applied and you talked about post-traumatic growth, but you had your own experiences that led to, to that. Um, so I'd love for you to kick it off wherever you think is important for you to start sharing your story with us. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the the concept of, of post-traumatic growth has always been super fascinating to me. I thought I was going to do my dissertation on it for a long time. And then, um, I mean, I'm... I have like too many interests. So I, I ended up taking a long turn and doing something totally different, which, which was great, but I've, I've stayed, um, you know, interested in the concept of post-traumatic growth. And it, it's something that really, um, you know, was, was relevant and pertinent to a lot of the clinical work that I was doing when I was a counselor. Um, and then, you know, I, I sort of went through this condensed period in, you know, 2022 and, and early 2023 of just, intense, transformative life experiences that were completely overwhelming. And, and, um, and I started to really kind of see those themes in my own life in a way that was, was different from anything I had ever really experienced. Um, and so, you know, I, I thought maybe I should be a little bit analytical about this and really try to understand it. And then that's, that's another way that I cope with things. Um, but I guess, okay, I guess we'll start like chronologically from, so I mentioned um, the passing of both of my parents. What I didn't mention and forgot to mention was that in, so October of 2022, I had a prophylactic uh, double mastectomy with reconstruction as a preventive measure because I was high risk for breast cancer. And I found that out because my mom had breast cancer. So I have that surgery, um, you know, while she is, terminally ill with dealing with breast cancer. Um, the recovery from that surgery was incredibly difficult on me, but at more sort of mentally and spiritually than anything else, I think. Um, and part of that was just because I, I, I mean, I was out running the day before surgery and now I'm like, wow. I can barely stand up, you know, and it's, it, it was very, um, it was very difficult. And then I got sick, you know, some viral thing or whatever, but mm. so it was, it was just, um, unexpectedly difficult. I thought I was going to cruise through it. Um, but it was, it was really emotional and it, it stirred up some sort of past trauma stuff from, from when I was younger, just being physically incapacitated like that and feeling really vulnerable and, you know, just how emotional it was with, with my mom being sick at the same time. Um, so I'm still recovering. I'm not fully recovered from surgery. And my dad dies, uh, the day after Thanksgiving last year in 2022. Uh, and it was sort of, uh, I say I was shocked, but not surprised. He dealt with addiction for longer than I've been alive. So, mm. you know, it, in that sense, it wasn't a complete surprise. I knew that he was, he was secretive about his health, but I knew that you know, things were, were not great. Um, but nobody was, was expecting it at that moment. So that was, that was kind of a shock. And then just about two months later, January of this year of 2023, my mom passed away. So it was just kind of, you know, I'm recovering from surgery still. And then my dad, and then I'm like wrapping up, you know, his, service and and the logistics of him passing away and all this stuff and 
trying to kind of start processing things. And then my mom passes away. So it's just a lot all at once that I was kind of overwhelmed by um, the, the trauma of those losses, but also, like I said, just what that stirred up from past experiences in my childhood and trying to process that all at once has been difficult. Um, but I, I realized that I'm sort of in an ideal place in my life personally to be able to, to try and process that in a healthy way. Um, and I've, I've really started to see some of those key themes of post-traumatic growth. And it's, it's really, you know, the definition is, is not, uh, it's not the same thing as resilience, right? So it's not experiencing a trauma and then returning back to your baseline and getting back to normal. It's a transformative change that happens where your psychological functioning is enhanced beyond what your baseline was before in, in, in different ways. Um, and I think that's really cool. And I've, I've really started to, to see, um, a lot of that in my, in my own life and my own experience. Now, is that something somebody can control or is it something that just happens? Um, I, I mean, my personal understanding and, and intuition, um, just is that it's, it's kind of both. I think, I don't think we need, um, you know, peer reviewed studies to, to tell us that, you know, that this kind of growth is part of the human spirit and, and has happened for people, you know, across cultures and times and different things like that. I think we, um, we know that. And I think some of that is this innate sort of striving that, that we, I think is amazing about human beings. Um, but I also think that the, the research that's been done is really interesting and compelling because it sort of tries to pick that apart and say, well, can we control that? Like, can we, you know, and there's some really interesting work on, um, you know, fostering post-traumatic growth in a therapeutic setting. There is a ton of um, great resources and information just for anyone who wants to learn about it. And I do think, again, that knowledge is power. I do think understanding um, the some of the ingredients that tend to be predictive of post-traumatic growth. I think we understand that we can sort of leverage that to our advantage, right? So like things like social support tend to be um, quite important. So being aware of that means that I can say, well, you know, what are my my sources of social support? Where might those be lacking? And, and what can I do about that? Um, just as, as one example. So um, so I don't know. I think that's that's so often the answer in psychology is that it's like it's both. It's all. It's you know this nuanced gray area. Um, but that's that's my kind of thought on it. Yeah, my interest is uh, my research interest is like stigma and bias and prejudice and stereotypes and that sort of thing. So like this is not again, people don't realize that this is not <laughs> what I look into. So it's interesting to me. I have heard of it before, right? Um, I probably in my clinical psychology class, um, but I have heard of it before. So what do you think sets you up to? experience this like what in your life allowed you that growth I think it's a lot of things and I I think it 
I don't necessarily think I, I wouldn't be experiencing it if this was all happening like, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever, but I think it would be, it would take more time and it would be, um, it would be different. I think, I think where I'm at at this point, um, I, I sort of have a core identity that feels solid to me mm. and, you know, that's, um, that's not something I, I take for granted because I've always had pieces of that core. Um, but again, you know, when, when people experience big life transitions and a lot of people in their twenties will relate to, to feeling like that core is up in the air. Um, and, and sometimes that actually can be part of growth is like exploring those unknowns, um, and, and discovering your identity. But, but for me, having, having a core, um, and understanding what my values are and, and how I want to live my life and who I am and what's important to me has been sort of a, a guidepost in the like uncertainty and the mess and the pain and, and all of that. Um, and that's, it which you know, makes sense because that is one of sort of the, the key domains of post-traumatic growth. People often, um, you know, they, they experience this sense of, you know, personal strength, a re-evaluation re of their values. Um, so for me, you know, it's not necessarily like forming a lot of new values or priorities, but it's, but it's an active prioritization of those things and a deeper appreciation for them. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of support and people in my life that I can really trust. Um, and I mean, one of the things that I, that I think is really fascinating, um, and compelling about post-traumatic growth is that it in no way negates the brutal reality of what trauma is and mm. what it does to someone. It exists not in place of the like indescribable pain and the, I mean, all of that, um, but it coexists with that in sort of this paradoxical reality. So, you know, for me, it's the, the hard part is to welcome that <laughs> along with, you know, cause I just, I, want to like stay in this space of feeling like strong and capable and like focus on these things I'm doing with my career and sports and, you know, all these other things. Um, but I have the resources in, in this place in my life to be able to be strong in sort of a different way, which means to sit with what has happened and what it, how it has changed me and, and, the pain of all of that as well, which I, as reluctant as I am to do it. And as often as I avoid it, I can handle doing that at this point in my life. Oh, you mentioned earlier when you were sharing a little bit about your experience with losing your, your parents that you dealt with trauma when you were younger as well. Do you think that set you up to experience this growth? Do you think that is part of it? I'm just curious. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's, it's sort of like baked into my sort of identity and how, you know, 
um, how I've become who I am. Um, and, you know, with, I mean, not to get into like every detail, but like, I mean, and to be Go clear, my parents, <laughs> you have time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my, you know, my parents had their struggles and everything. Um, but just, you know, growing up with my dad's addiction was, was difficult, different family things. And, and I sort of coped with the uncertainty and, and all that by, um, when I was younger, like being this like super, super, super perfectionist kid in sports. I can relate. And in yeah. Like the whole, like check everything off the list, eating disorders, everything, you know, um, and then, you know, I, I also went through a period in my teenage years um, of sort of like, you know, binge drinking and not mm. showing up to school and all these. Right. So I kind of the pendulum swung pretty extreme in different directions, trying to cope with some of the stress. Um, and I, I think that like the experience of navigating those extremes and like I said, sort of being able to find the core of like, who am I and who do I want to be in this world? Not that any of us ever do it perfectly, but like, but having that real clear sense of that didn't come easy to me and I don't take it for granted and I'm prepared to fight for everything. Like that's how I view my life, even though like I'm very like, stable and happy and like things are really you know kind of set and good I like I can't I cannot function without having like a challenge to overcome like something to fight for like and not not you know in a in a way that I'm unsafe and I have to like protect myself at this point in my life but just it I don't know I have to be fighting you know, for something or like, and I, I think that's part of where that came from. And it's, it's one of the infinite ways that I take after my dad too. He's, he and I are almost the same person in, in so many different ways that, um, you know, that's really special too, because I mean, my, my parents dealt with their struggles, but they, I'm incredibly fortunate that they, they always loved me. They did their best. Um, you know, they, uh, by no means, you know, were they abusive or, or any of that. Um, and so I, I have the good to take away from that. And I think that has also really, you know, helped shape how I've like redistributed traumatic experiences and, and sort of been able to move forward in a, in a productive way. Yeah. Um, so some people might be listening and like um, uh, a couple of times you've mentioned like your identity and some people might be listening and go, I'm a full grown adult and I have no idea who I am. Um, do you have any tips for those people out there who might be thinking, I don't know who I am. How did you find out who you are? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I mean, I think um, identity is another another one of just my research interests and, and something that so I find interesting, fascinating. <laughs> um, and, and yet again, it's another one of those sort of gray area things where, um, there, you know, I I've talked with students before, like, do you think that identity is set and fixed and it's 
this, you know, stable across time forever? And, or do you think it's malleable? And we always end up being like, it's, well, it's kind of both and it's, you know, it's complicated. And, and I think that's true. Um, But, you know, I've, I've also talked about this in a clinical setting with, with trauma survivors. Um, We, you know, in a support group, we kind of had this discussion around like, well, look, I've been surviving for so long and I've been, you know, in this controlling um, environment that I haven't had a say in how I live and, and Mm. who I'm going to be and how I'm going to show up in the world because I've been, you know, um, in this, in this controlling and traumatic situation for a long time. So I don't know who I am. I go to the grocery store and I don't know what I want to, to buy. You know, I, I don't know what I like to do even because I've, I've been surviving and that's been, you know, how I've had to show up in the world and to, to protect myself. And so, um, you know, sometimes people feel a sense of, of shame around that, but we kind of reframed and talked about it. Like, you know, what are the opportunities here? Mm. Like, you know, how can you make space and, you know, to explore that, to not, to not assume, hey, I should know the answers to these questions. I should know. Um, well, why? I mean, right? Because there's a reason that there's uncertainty, and and that's a normal part of being human is is to have uncertainty. Um, if anyone has everything figured out about you know who they are and who they should be and how they should live, like let me know because I would like to have all the perfect answers. Right. Um, and, and if there is uncertainty, there's a reason for it. Right. So, okay. But there's also opportunity to, for discovery. Um, and I mean, there are so many, right. Obviously like therapy can be part of that for a lot of people, but there are also so many, um, you know, just interesting resources. Um, I'm also really interested in the, the research around like journaling and how that can help with self-discovery and, and all that kind of thing. I mean, there are journal prompts, literally, like if you Google journal prompts for self-discovery, like so many values, clarification activities. I used to do that with, um, with students, undergraduates, um, who were like mandated to receive substance abuse counseling. When I was a grad student, that's, you know, the assistantship I did. And, and we would do like, there. there's like a list of like 50 different, you know, values, like wealth, honesty, loyalty, whatever. Um, and they would have to like rank order what are the most important things to them and why. And, you know, sometimes people haven't like had the opportunity to sit there and like break that down for themselves or talk to somebody they trust about it. And um, so there are a lot of opportunities to do that. And and even like for people who feel like they have things pretty figured out and like they have a good sense of who they are, like I always say, like stay humble, be a lifelong learner, never stop like reflecting on those things and how they apply in your life in different ways as well, because things change. Um, at, you know, certainly as I found out, and I, I view I view things differently, and I view my identity differently now um, after experiencing so much loss in that short period of time. Like I'm not the same person I was before that. Mm -hmm. So things change as well. I mean, I always say we should be growing over time, right? Because time's moving on. If we stay stuck in one place, it's going to move on without us. Mm -hmm. You know, 
we're going to experience things through our lifetimes that change us. Good, bad, indifferent, they're going to change us. And I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but psychological research shows when it comes to identity, there are some core things that kind of stay stable throughout your lifetime, but then the rest, like you said, is malleable. Like it's, it's going to change what you'd like is going to change who you are is going to change. I, I was one of those kids that was, I was brought up in traumatic situation. Um, so I'll tell you when I was younger, I had no idea like no idea it was one of those things like you were describing is like when you're getting told who you are for so long you don't know who you really are and then I lost myself in motherhood um it became all of my identity and it took me time to go who am I outside of motherhood what does what is Megan like what does Megan want to do what well you know what who am I? I actually started a business, um, started two businesses, one as a fitness coach and one as a women's empowerment coach. So journaling right up nice. there. Cause I'm like, yes, I used to tell my clients to journal. I journal prompts for them. I had all those things. Um, and that was the thing that kind of helped me. Those were the things that kind of helped me discover who I was outside of motherhood. Right. And so there's so many times in our lives that we can kind of lose ourselves in, in what we're doing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and I, I think that's true. There, there are some, I mean, it, I think we know at this point, like there are some elements of temperament and personality and all these things that are heavily genetically sort of determined. And, um, you know, those, those influences are, are really strong, but then it's, we have the, this infinitely complex, like culmination of life experiences and all these things that then, you know, we interact with those experiences and with the world and things change. And, um, and I think that's, that it can be sort of overwhelming sometimes. And I think it's, it's a common experience. Like you said, you, you sort of, you know, were thrown into motherhood and that was, that's such a core important part of identity that of course, you know, it makes sense that you would then be all in on that role, that element that identity um but then there are others as well and and um so it's it's such it's such an art to being aware of that you know like what are my different identities and what you know if, if I'm a pie chart like what percentage of the my pie chart is right. this one taking up right now versus that one and um I, I find it actually helpful to really think about it that way um because sometimes we we learn a lot by saying, well, where do I want to throw all my energy? Mm. Are there things that I'm avoiding? Are there things that, you know, um, because that's, that is something that I have to constantly like remind myself of with grief too, is like, I, I avoid it. Um, and I like, I will be all in on, you know, fitness and exercise and all these things. And like, I want to constantly spend my time doing things that reaffirm my sense of my identity as somebody who is strong and capable. Um, and like the worst thing in the world to me is feeling weak. And I know that's like oversimplified and it's, it's such a, you know, um, but it's, it's, it's a common like thing that people 
feel in times where, where they're, you know, going through a trauma or they're whatever. Um, and so I've, I've had to be like, well, what about the part of my identity that is like empty and hurt and sad? And like, I can't ignore that. I can, right. that exists, you know? Um, and what do I do with it? Cause that is in my control. Like that's, you know, that's the paradox of, of a traumatic experience is that it's like, it's outside your control and it's going to have an impact that is not fully under your control, but then it's, you know, the aftermath is about, well, who, who am I? Mm-hmm. And where does this experience like fit into that narrative? Um, and so I think, I think that's really, really fascinating. Um, and it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard yeah. to, to look at all those different identities and, and to look at them honestly and to make sense of them. Um, but I think it's, it's also really empowering to do that. And I can imagine as a mental health professional, you see the, you see what your clients are going through. You, you understand that, but to have to take that, what you're teaching them and what you're learning through them and actually, you know, make it part of your own life and use it on yourself. That's a whole different ball game. Completely. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not doing clinical work now. I'm okay. I've made a kind of full switch into education. Um, but think just thinking back on, on those clinical experiences for sure. I mean, it's, it's so completely different because it's, it's one thing to be aware of something and it's another thing to like do it. And um, another, I mean, a very common sort of like cognitive pattern that, that a lot of people fall into is sort of, um, being, you know, analytical and, and logical about things. And so, so we'll say, um, okay, I have understood and, and, and processed this to a, a significant degree cognitively. So I'm good. Right. And I'm, I am like the, classic case example for this. Um, but my nervous system doesn't know that my Mm. nervous system didn't get the memo that, Hey, okay. Like, yeah, my parents are gone and I like, I get it. It's okay. I've like wrapped up and resolved my relation, my very, very complicated relationships with them for 31 years, you know, and, and we're good and it's fine. And I'm prepared to like move on with my life. Um, but then it's like, I mean, there, there have been days where it's like a couple days I went to, like, I went to the gym, I went to jujitsu in the morning and, and I just was like feeling so like, I don't know, like this sadness was like trying to break through the surface. I'm so restless. I'm so agitated. So I'm like, okay, cool. I, I go to the gym and I'm like, I still feel like shit. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for a long run. Well, it's still, that feeling is still there. Okay. Now tonight I'm going to go back to the gym and, and go to class again for three hours and it's still there. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, like, what is going on? Um, but I mean, you have to unfortunately reckon with that and, and accept that that's part of your identity. And that's, and that's really hard. But, but again, like, 
in doing that, there are all these opportunities to like have such a deeper appreciation for your life and the things that make it, you know, valuable, or even to recognize the things that like are lacking in your life and to have clarity about, oh, hey, you know, this, this is missing. And there are things that I can do to bring myself closer to that and to fill myself up. Um, and that can be really empowering too. When my kids were little, um, I would probably say when they were like kindergarten, first grade, they used to talk about filling your bucket. Right. Um, and I use that example with my clients when I was coach and I would say, you know, you got to do things to fill your bucket, but there are things that can put holes in your bucket. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you kind of have to fix those things. So you're just not pouring in and it's pouring back out. Um, and we have all these things that can, that can do that. Right. And if we don't deal with them and we just keep trying to pour in, but not deal with those holes is just coming right back out. We, we just got to deal yeah. with it. That's such a perfect, perfect analogy too. And it's like, it, it's so, when you put it like that, it's like, okay, duh, like I have to, you know, but it's, um, but it's, you know, it's easier said than done when you're going through a traumatic experience. Um, but it's, it's so, it's so important. And it's like, being aware of that is the first step, I think. And then it's like, because for, for me, it's like, okay, you know, I have to like, I mean, since I was a child, I have romanticized and been obsessed with like the warrior archetype. I was obsessed with like, you know, um, ancient Greece and ancient Rome and all the movies and the gladiators and the, you know, it's, it's yeah. just, I always was like very attached to that trope. And I'm like, I still am, but I'm like, okay, I'm an adult now and I need to have a nuanced view of this. And like, what does it mean to be a strong, capable person and to, you know, be a fighter and all these things. And it, it doesn't mean to just pretend that I'm not devastated or pretend or disavow like the times or the parts of myself that feel weak sometimes it means like like I always say like I've been strangling my grief for a long time it's like cool okay you can be strong enough to like strangle it but are you strong enough to release that grip and to let it walk along with you and to keep doing the things that make you who you are and make you a strong person with it there and, and, you know, I mean, that's, that's tough because nobody, if nobody wants to have to integrate like a traumatic experience into their narrative and, and I wish nobody ever had to, but we do. Um, right. So realizing where the, those holes are is like, I mean, it, you know, nobody's perfect at patching them up, but it's like, it's not just, I, I think that's, what's really cool about post-traumatic growth, because it's like, you get to look at trauma and, and the aftermath of it. Cause you know, we, we always differentiate too. Like when I was working with trauma survivors, it's like, you by no means have to feel like, oh, I'm grateful that this happened because of the benefits. Like if you right. do, 
some people do and that's more power to them but like I sure as heck don't like and a lot of people don't like if I don't have children but like if I did I would move heaven and earth to make sure that they didn't experience some of the the things that I did when I was Mm -hmm. younger no ifs ands or buts about it there would be no part of me that's like oh like you need to experience this adversity you know what I mean like not I mean some healthy adversity fine but like and challenges and and all that but but um that doesn't change the gratitude I have for how I have been able to um you know move move forward and create a great life for myself in the aftermath. That's what post-traumatic growth is about. And so we can look at trauma and, and say like, there's the, there are these opportunities that exist in the aftermath that are not like a gift from the trauma, but that just exist because that's how being human works. And um, so, you know, it's, it's this sense that, you know, you, you can acknowledge the full reality and the full weight of that trauma and the, and the damage and the pain that it causes while also acknowledging the human capacity for profound transformation um, in, in a way that not only, you know, takes you, like I said, back to your baseline, but can be, um, can exceed that, can, can propel growth that maybe we hadn't even been trying to achieve. Like, I mean, for me, I, like, like I said, I had, I had a core set of values, but it's like, I act in accordance with those values in a much clearer, decisive, active way now. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I prioritize health and longevity, um, not that it wasn't important to me before and but mm-hmm. but I act on it in a different way and I have such a sense of clarity that it like and I a indescribable gratitude for the health that I have and what it allows me to do in my life and I and I mean right back to my like fighter trope like I will always fight for that and advocate for that because there are things outside of our control but I'm going to do everything in my control um to keep reaping the benefits of that and, and living a great life. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's all about what's really important to you. And, and, you know, I agree with your statement is like, I know the trauma I went through made me the person I am today. Um, and I would not say I'm necessarily grateful for the trauma, but I'm grateful for the growth I've, I've been able to achieve in spite of that trauma Mm -hmm. and, and having kids, I don't want them to go through any of that. Right. Like some people are like, your kids have to, to deal with adversity. I'm like, yeah, little adversities, like (laughs) like getting bullied in school or something like that. Something like, I wouldn't say bullying is little, but I mean, something that is, is far less traumatic as long as it's not, you know, um, when it comes to bullying, obviously it can, can get really bad. Um, I'm not dismissing that, but I mean, little like my son right now, he has this one kid who just picks on him all the time and he just gives it right back. And I'm like, that's the sort of thing I'm talking about is something like that. Um, I would no way I keep thinking, I'm like, how is it possible? I went through so much at the, by their age and like, 
they haven't gone through any of that. And that's amazing to me. That makes me so happy. But yeah, I can, I can totally relate to what you're talking about. Um, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? Um, I think I want to really sort of just drive home that, that concept that knowledge is power. And I, I encourage everybody, if this is a topic that interests you in any way, whether you relate to it personally, or, you know, it's just interesting. Um, I strongly encourage you to read more about it. There are, um, if you're, if you're someone who likes to go and watch YouTube videos, um, the, uh, Richard Tedeschi and Lawrence Calhoun are the researchers that really coined this term post-traumatic growth, and they've done some incredible work. I mean, if, if you, you know, Google their names, you'll find journal articles, you'll find books, but they also have some really good YouTube interviews and things like that. Um, if you're interested in like more kind of personal stories to connect to around it, there's um, a book that um, I know Richard Tedeschi was one of the authors on Transformed by Trauma, Stories of Post-Traumatic Growth. There's another one called Upside, the Sci the New Science of Post-Traumatic Growth. There's just a ton. Um, and I can send these to you, obviously, to put in the notes for people. But there's there's just a ton of great information. And um, and I also, you know, want to encourage people, like something that I remind myself is don't, don't put this like pressure or, or, you know, for, for growth to happen or think that, you know what I mean? Again, it's, this is not a binary thing. Like growth can happen, um, alongside the, the pain and the difficulty and, and all these things that are natural consequences of trauma. But, um, so, you know, I just encourage people it, you know, cause I have to remind myself constantly to, to sort of, you know, treat, treat myself with, with, not such a critical judgment and, and to mm. be open, um, to growth and to appreciate it as it happens and to really be proactive about self-reflecting and trying to bring those ingredients for growth into my life. And, um, I hope that, you know, that message will resonate with somebody else and, and be interesting to people, um, you know, regardless of, of their personal connections to it. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to look different for everybody, right? Where it's not all going to be the same. Oh yeah. That, I mean, it'd be great, I guess, in some sense, <laughs> some perfect template for everybody, but, but absolutely it's such an individual journey and, and, you know, how much it's baked into identity and, and all that. So, which is cool um, because there's a lot of, a lot of opportunity, but definitely always nuanced. Yeah. Well, Bryn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. Thank you for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review. Follow us on social media at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, The Inspired Women Podcast.